I don't know about you, but if you turn on the news lately, the symptoms of this world is that it's going down a bad, bad track, yes? Symptoms display that there's a problem. What's the cure to all of our problems? Jesus, and what did Jesus put in place to be the hope of the world? The church, that's you and I. So if we lose our voice, then the world loses its hope and it loses its cure. And so we're just gonna get a little bit more rowdy about ourselves and not be so worried about what people think, but focus on how many people we wanna pull out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of God, because this year we wanna populate heaven and we wanna absolutely decimate hell, yes? Come on. Come on, about time you get a little bit excited about things. So we've gone for a little bit of stuff this year so far. And, and if you don't know me, my name is Craig and I'm just part of the team here. I'm not any more special than anybody else. Just part of the team here. And, and uh, we had a look at this whole thing around new a couple of weeks ago that, that God, when we look at scripture, it says the old things have gone, behold, everything is new. That God wants to do something new in our lives. He, 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 yes, he can restore. Yes, he can do all those things. And he says that he will. But the, the key thing that he does when he saves us, when he delivers us, is he gives us a new life, not the old life, but a new life. And the hard thing for us is that the enemy keeps on reminding us about our past and he keeps on trying to get us to hold on to our old life. And God is saying, no, no, forget the old life, step into this new life I have you because new life always speaks of future and the enemy can't speak into your future because he has none, because he's already been defeated. So he keeps on trying to pull you back into your old life instead of you living in your new life. But we understand that God's plans for us is always for new and that's why it says in Isaiah, it says, behold, I do a new thing, do you not perceive it? Making a way in the desert and streams in the wastelands because God's plan for your life and my life is that we would never have desert, that we would never have waste in our lives. But the reason why sometimes we don't see the new thing that God is doing is because the new thing usually always comes via the desert or via the wasteland, as in Jesus was led out in the, by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. But when he came back, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's something that takes place in the deserts and the wastelands that draws something on the inside of us. Because when we are going through struggling periods, we always look for the new on the outside. But God always says the new always comes from the inside. And a stream in the desert happens as the water pushes up, the internal pressure pushes up in underneath the, the river that runs underneath the desert, pushes up through the sand and it creates a stream and then all of a sudden there's life. And that's what God wants to do with us but sometimes we don't perceive it because we think how could God do anything with that? But God always specializes with the broken and the wilderness. And that's why in, in, in Ezekiel 37, we see in the valley of dry bones that God comes and breathes on it and takes something that nobody ever thought could be and turns it into a mighty army that does something for him. And so your dry places, your desert places, your wastelands are not a waste. They're just an opportunity for God to do something new. Are you with me this morning? And so we looked at seasons last week, because if you're going to have something new happen, then a new season happens. And, and last week we discovered that most of us, if you're like me, we, like to look, we would like to have the season that other people are having. Yes? I, I, I look at some people's lives and oh man, I wish I had that kind of life. 
I wish I had their life. Does anybody with me? Don't, don't lie to me because I know you all this way. Yeah. You know, when you, I was in the supermarket the other day and, and um, there's this poor mum with the, I don't know, maybe a two-year-old holding on to the, the bottom of the trolley, you know, just above the wheel, screaming her head off as mum just kept on pushing the trolley down the aisle, picking things off the shelf. And I was looking at it going, I'm so glad <laughs> that I don't have that kind of life anymore. You know what I'm talking about? I now have 13 and a 17 year old. I don't have to worry about them. They just don't come. and It's just better. Yeah. But I just saw that. And I thought, I do not want her season in life right now. Yeah. I don't want that season. But so often we can look at other people's lives and go, man, I wish I had their life. Or I wish I had a life like their life. And, but the reality is, is what we don't understand is every season has its own personal struggle. And we don't see the struggle that a person goes through to get to where they are. And so we want what they have at the end, but we don't understand the process that God took them through to get there. But what we learned is this, is if we can, if we can start to speak well about our season, then we will find a strength in our season that we can seize, that will strengthen our lives. And, and, and the scripture says this, that he makes all things beautiful in his time. And so often we're wanting God to give us a beautiful season, but we need to understand that he makes seasons beautiful as we start to seize upon the strength of the season that we're in. And this morning, I want to continue talking about seasons for you this morning, and I don't want to take too long because we're still in summer mode, yes? Anybody still in, be honest this morning, are you still in summer mode? Put your hand up. I'll pray for you. There's some people still on holiday. I just can't believe it. Murray, Murray Nicklin contacted me this week. He goes, oh, just a reminder, I'm still on holiday, so I won't be there on Sunday. Still on holiday? It's, a, it's February. What's going on? Well, let me, let me, let's turn to scriptures, and that is in Galatians chapter 6, 4 to 10. And it says this, in the message version, it says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Be very sure now you have, uh, you who have been trained to a self-sufficient maturity that you enter into a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have experienced. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he harvests, or what a person sows, they reap. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth and work in him, harvests a crop of real life, eternal life. So I want you to listen to this part here. And it says, so let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, therefore, every time we get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people 
closest to us in the community of faith. Let me say this again. So let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued doing good. All the, at the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. I think that we need to hear that so often because the majority of our life has spent sowing things. The majority of your life, especially as a parent, is sowing into your child's life, isn't it? There's not a lot of harvesting coming back the other way, is it? Okay, maybe your kid's amazing. I don't get the harvest of, of, um, of doing the dishes without being asked or cleaning their room without being asked. I keep on sowing into them that a clean room is a good thing and doing dishes is you know, what we do so we don't get sick. But it doesn't register in their brain that because I'm sowing good things into them that the harvest should be automatic dishwashing and room cleaning. Does anybody else have children like mine? And so we spend so much of our lives sowing and very little time of our lives reaping. I mean, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, the, the, the land out here has got some potatoes in it at the moment and we lease the land out to the guys across the road and, and they're starting to harvest those potatoes now. Do you know that the, all the potatoes in that field, seven acres in that field, will be harvested one day? One day. But it takes them about three days or four days to plant the field. And then it takes a whole lot of months for them of watering it, spraying it, doing all the things that they do. The harvest moment is a short one day. The planting is like about three or four days. And then the space in between is months. And we spend a lot of our lives sowing and in the space in between. And the harvest time that we enjoy is a very short space of time. And so what happens is we start, as the scripture says, don't get fatigued in doing good. In other words, don't get fatigued in sowing for in your due season. In other words, if you can hang out, if you can wait out the months, you'll enjoy a harvest. The problem is the harvest is so short before you have to start sowing again. Does anybody understand what I'm saying? And so we can start to get really fatigued about that. Eugene Peterson uh, once wrote this, long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate planting from reaping. In other words, he's saying that the moment between you sowing and the time that you get to reap is just a really not that great a period of time. I, I don't know about you, but there are some things that I've sowed that I've reaped already, but there are some things that I sowed in my teenage years that I'm still crying out to God for my harvest. Yes? Some of you have got unsaved loved ones that you've been praying for and sowing into for years and years and years, and you still haven't seen the harvest of it. And you can start to get fatigued and you can start giving up because the space between the sowing and the reaping can sometimes seem so long and so dark. There's this other statement that, that people say, they say the days are long, but the years are short. You know, well, a year seems to disappear, but sometimes when you're in the midst of a situation that you want to answer from God from, that day just seems to take way too long, doesn't it? The year seems to disappear, but the days just seem to be so long between the sowing and the reaping. I know for my mum, 
with Uncle Rex, and I shared this story before, is that she prayed for him uh, for years and years and years. My mum got saved at 16 years of age and started praying for her family. Uncle Rex didn't get saved until he was 78 years of age. I think it's like over 50 years that mum prayed for the harvest of what she sowed. We spend so much of our lives sowing, so little of our lives harvesting that we get fatigued in the space between. Yet the scripture says this in Psalm 90 verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. In other words, he's saying this, the, the writer is saying this, we need to learn to number our days so that we're not so focused on the harvest that we don't see the God moments in every single day. You see, when we get so focused on the harvest, we don't see the God moments along the way. We sow and then we get frustrated because we're so desperate for the harvest, we don't see the God moments and every day, and the scripture says here, Lord, teach us to number our days. Because I believe this, the gap between your sowing and your reaping is not a wasted time. God doesn't waste time. God doesn't send you on a wasted time journey. What he does do is he plants moments in each and every day that if we are able to number our days, we will see the God moments in our journey. We'll experience the God times and our walk, if we can just stop for a moment and go, you know what, between now, between the sowing and between the harvest, I am going to have God moments. I'm gonna have God experiences. The scripture challenges us to learn how to number our days so we don't miss those experiences that God wants to give us. Those moments that he's talking about here are those mundane moments. You know, the everyday moments that you don't really think matter much you know it's like yep I'm just getting breakfast for the kids and we're just having dinner around the table yet so many God moments happen in the discussion around the dinner table we, we, we are so focused sometimes on the harvest that we want God to bring about in our lives that we miss that there's God opportunities in all the mundane things and all the little things, it's like in, in, in our family, so often it tends to happen on a Friday night when Madison gets home from youth and before I know, it's, it's like one o'clock in the morning and we've just had a two hour family discussion. I would prefer those to happen at like nine o'clock in the morning. It's kind of more my time than starting them at like 11.30 at night and finishing them at one in the morning. But when you have teenagers, it's, your life just flips around, doesn't it? But the discussion that is had in those two hours is just so precious and there's so many God moments in it. In fact, Madison just came back from, uh, the interns went and did their, uh, an orientation at the Bible college that they're going through this year. And as she's talking to me about some of the stuff that God said to her while she was away on that, I'm sitting on the couch and I'm, and then she looks at me, she goes, don't fall asleep while I'm talking to you. <laughs> And if I had fallen asleep in that moment, I would have missed those God moments. There's cool things that you hear from your kids of what God is doing. You see, 
I just believe that, that God wants us to pay attention to our days, to be not so focused in the season that we're in on getting out of the season, but to become focused on the days that are happening in our season so that we start to see that that wasn't a dark period, but in fact, God was with us all the way through and there was incredible God moments all the way through that makes the harvest just so much more enjoyable. Because if I don't have God moments in between my sowing and my reaping, I don't know if I want to sow again. I don't want those moments to be dark. I want them to be awesome. And so when it comes to numbering our days, I don't believe that the Scripture is trying to say you need to fit more in your day. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could fit more in my days. What I think the Scripture is saying is that we need to make more of our days. Not fit more in, but make more of it. You know, I've started doing this now every morning. God, show me somebody. Show me the face of somebody that needs some encouragement today. So whether it be walking down the main street or whether it be grabbing the milk on the way home, God, show me the face of somebody that I could smile at or, or just say, God bless you too, or, or somebody, something. Like, like wasn't going through the supermarket, which is a mundane thing, picking up the bread and the milk. Let, let there be a God moment in my mundane. Let there be a God moment in my Monday, and it's what I'm crying out for God to do, that there would be, because I don't just want to go through life. I want there to be God moments. I want there to be time where, where I don't fit more into my day, but I get more out of my day by looking for God moments, because there's one spirit that I think that stops us from experiencing God's divine opportunities, and it's called the spirit of, the, of emergency. We all have the spirit of emergency. We're so busy getting on with what it is that we need to do that we don't take time out enough to make space for God moments in our lives. We're so busy, we're so urgent. Everything's urgent, everything's busy. Everything has to happen now. Every situation is urgent, urgent, urgent. And it diverts our focus from the opportunity or the moments that God wants us to have. And we miss those moments because of the spirit of emergency. I, I, I hate this word busy. Everyone I talk to, oh, I'm just so busy. Oh, I'm just so busy. I'm just, I think it's a curse of our day that the enemy is trying to make us so busy that we miss our God moments. And I feel for God because I believe that God would never let us go for a day without talking to us. But the spirit of emergency makes us so busy that he's trying to give us answers, but we just don't hear him because we don't take the time to have a God moment in our day. See, there's two kinds of time, isn't there? There's chronos and there's kairos. And chronos is chronological. It's where we get the word chronological. In fact, chronos is the time that you look at on your watch and you go, yes, it's now uh, 10.55, Craig, you got five minutes to get this rounded up. It's the time. It's, it's the measurable time. It's, it's what we have. We understand that what chronos is a Greek word for meaning chronological or substantial time. Kronos measures the minutes. Everyone has the same number of minutes a day. Do you know how many minutes a day you have? 1,440 minutes per day to be exact. 
Kairos, on the other hand, is another word for timing. Kairos in the Greek meaning means this, the right or opportune moment. And in the Christian slang, we consider those kairos moments to be God moments. They're those moments when God come and does something in the middle of your life that you can't like explain. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know about you, but I've had so many kairos moments in my life where God has done something that my vocabulary is incredibly limited to explain what it is that God did. I just know that he's done something phenomenal. I can remember when I was uh, 18 years of age, a, a man came through a church by the name of Brent Douglas. He's a bit of a prophet. And, and he said, there's a person here you feel like you're meant to pastor and be a preacher one day. Who's that? And I put my hand up and I went down. He laid hands on me. It's nothing, no spectacular prayer or anything. But I had like pins and needles in my tongue for four days. I felt like I had this fat tongue. I was trying to talk weird. And all my mates at school were making fun of me. But for four days, it just, uh, it was like pins and needles, just like a fire on, uh, as a God Kairos moment. I had no idea what was going on, but I knew it was a God thing. I couldn't explain it, but it was a God thing. And these are the God moments that I believe, the Kairos moments that I believe that God believes is essential for us to have in numbering our days between our sowing and our reaping. That we have these moments, these kairos moments where God breaks through and does something that we just can't explain. And we could spend all of our time trying to work out whether that was a chronos moment or a kairos moment. But I think that God simply wants to challenge us to redeem the time that we have, to, to look in every day for a God moment. Let me read you this in Acts, and we're just going to finish shortly. It says this in Acts 1, 6 to 8, it says, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, in this moment, they're coming to him and they're going, hey, God, Jesus, is this, is this the moment? Is this the moment where you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is this the harvest moment? Is this the moment that you're going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Is, is this the moment? And Jesus turns around and says, man, you don't need to understand the times of which I'm going to do that, but you will receive the Holy Spirit who will come down on you in power and you'll be my witnesses. In other words, he's saying to them, why are you waiting for this moment of harvest? Why are you waiting for this God moment when you can go and make a God moment? If you would just go and wait in the upper room, you can have a God moment now. Heaven's open now. The windows are open now. The Spirit of God is hovering now. Why are you waiting for the harvest moment? You can make a God moment right now. Why is it that we wait for God to come through for the miracle and then we praise Him and then we thank Him and then we go around telling everybody how fantastic He is when God's saying you can have a God moment all the way through and between your 
sowing and your reaping. You can have God moments all the way through your life. In fact, as a son and daughter of God, you should refuse to live a day without an encounter with the power of the Holy Ghost that does something in your life. We should not be satisfied to live mundane lives where we just go through the motion when we can have God encounters every single day of our lives where God does something. It may be small or it may be big, but God wants to do something every single day of our lives. And if we're going to number our days, if we're going to be responsible for the time that He had, then friend, we can't waste time waiting for the kingdom to come when the Holy Spirit is here right now. I want to see this year God moments created every single day, every single moment. I, I, don't, I don't want to waste a day. I don't want to waste a moment. In fact, as a child of God, I have the authority to create these moments. As a child of God, you have the authority to create these moments. You have the authority to call down heaven to earth. Jesus said this, all authority I have, I give to you. Whatever you loose in heaven shall be loosed on earth. Whatever you bind in heaven shall be bound on earth. The literal Greek says, whatever you allow on earth, whatever's in heaven you can allow on earth. And what is not allowed in heaven you can disallow on earth. And so this morning I wake up and I'm feeling as crook as a dog, as the sickest I've felt in ages. And I'm sitting down in the prayer meeting thinking to myself, I don't want to even be here preaching today. I don't want to be, I want to go home to bed. I want to snuggle up in bed and have a sleep. But is there sickness in heaven? No. So, so I want a God moment. I don't want to just go to bed. I want a God moment. I want a healing moment. Luckily enough, because I was too caught up in my sickness, Trinity and Rama weren't. And they prayed for me. I feel so much better. Why? Because why go through a day sick when we can call heaven into our day? Come on, friend. Like, I, I don't know about you. I, I just, I'm just, I just think every day should be a God day. And in fact, you can talk about Kronos and Kairos time as much as you like. But can I say this this morning? All of time is God's time. And if all of time is God's time, then all of time can have God moments. Every moment has a meaning. When you encourage somebody this week and reach out to them, if you... Give a helping hand this week to somebody or, or intentionally praise God in spite of your circumstances. Friend, you're not just encouraging somebody, you're creating a God moment. You're not just helping them shift house, you are creating a God moment. You're not just praising God in the midst of your circumstances, you are creating a God moment. And I want to challenge you this morning. As you go through this week, when you're waiting, while you're waiting for the harvest of what you've sowed, while you're waiting for God to come through based on what you've sowed and what you believe for, what are you going to do in those days in between? 
You're just going to go through life waiting for this harvest moment? Or are you going to say, you know what? While I wait for the harvest moment to come, I'm going to have God moments every single day of my life because I'm not going to waste a day. I'm going to give account of my days. Not going to put more into my days. I'm just going to make more out of my days. I'm going to have God moments. I'm going to create God moments this week. I'm going to create. I want want you to leave this place this morning and go, you know what? I'm going to create God moments this week. I've got to go to the supermarket after church today. How many people have to do that? Why don't we ask for a God moment? Rather than just popping in and getting the paninis and the and the ham and the cheese and, and the camembert cheese because we, we're having paninis for lunch. How many people like paninis? Why not have paninis and a God moment in the supermarket? Why not have paninis and a God moment in the car park? Why not give someone paninis and let them have a God moment? Why not pay for someone's paninis? I suppose the question is this, and the question for you and for me is this, are we prepared? Are we prepared to live a life where we say, you know what, I'm going to create God moments, or are we just going to sit back and wait for God to do things? Oh, you can't force God's hand. Yes, you can. God wanted to destroy all of Israel, but Moses stood in the gap and stopped him. You can place a demand on God. You can place a demand on him where he moves. I don't want to wait for harvest time. I want to redeem every single day of my life with God moments. Ephesians 6, 5, 16 says this, make the best use of your time because the days are evil. You know, for every day we let go by that we don't ask God for a God moment, is the day somebody else goes to hell. Is the day somebody else suffers. We have a responsibility as Christians. We have a responsibility of the, as the body of Christ to carry on the work of Jesus. And Jesus always made time for God moments in his day. He's trying to pass through a town and he ends up stopping to spend the night with Zacchaeus. He's trying to pass through somewhere else that ends up stopping and dealing with a woman whose daughter is mentally unstable. And he even tries to fob her off and say, look, I'm not here for you. I'm just here for the Jews. You're just a little dog. And she says, even the dogs eat the crumbs off the master's table. She placed, he was trying to pass through, but she placed a demand on him. And he says, go away, your daughter as well. No such great faith have I seen in all of Israel. She created a demand on him that created a God moment in her world. What are you prepared to do this week? Let's have a God moment. Not just for you, but for someone else. Why don't we just stand to our...